Well, I want to welcome you to the Hills Church at home. In fact, I encourage you to go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. You can download today's message notes. And if you have any uh, children, you can download the kids activity sheet as well. You know, last week we picked up uh, on Mark chapter one. We're going to get there in a minute. My title today is, in fact, it's going to be Mary's words about Jesus to the servants at the wedding. And she says, what, whatever he says, do it. But my title today is whatever he says. I want to encourage you today that whatever situation you find yourself uh, presented with, facing, uh, that you need to go back and find out what Jesus says. What does God's word say about your situation? Because we're going to see today, uh, it affects everything, even the things that seem insignificant, he can overcome and do in our life. Well, Mark chapter one, we looked at this verse last week, and I wanted to look at these two words, but I wanted to read this verse again, and it says this. In fact, uh, we mentioned that Matthew and Luke's gospel really begin with uh, Jesus's birth. But Mark begins with Jesus's, really the ministry, John the Baptist, Jesus being baptized, and then goes right into his ministry. And here's what Mark says in verse 14 and 15 of chapter one. Now, after John was put in prison, talking about John the Baptist, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. In fact, that's what we looked at last week, those two words, repent, which meant turning away and going in a totally different direction and believe the gospel. Believe the good news. Believe the words that God has sent. You and I are blessed because we have a Bible. We can get two words. We can go online and search scriptures. We're blessed. But here's the question today. It's one thing to read it. It's one thing to say it, but it's another thing to believe it with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So Jesus preached the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Now, so I want to look today at uh, Jesus's first miracle. And let me ask you this. If you didn't know what it was, water to wine, what would you think Jesus's first miracle would have been? You would have thought that instead of attending a wedding, he would have attended a funeral. And then instead of turning water to wine, he would have raised the dead. I was trying to, you know, that, that probably would be ours too. If, if you had a first miracle to do, you know, you'd end up, you'd probably go to, into a hospital and make sure you clear the whole place out. Or you'd go to a funeral or you'd go find somebody terminally sick. Or uh, like Jesus did, you'd go and you'd feed a multitude of people. Yet we're going to see today that there was something significant took place. Even though Jesus did a miracle, Mary believed that he would. 
So I was thinking about this, you know, at every wedding. In fact, uh, my wife and I last Sunday, each of us did a wedding separately. And we always use a saying at a wedding. And we always will say something that Jesus's first miracle took place at a wedding. So remember that didn't take place at a funeral, uh, took place at a wedding. So the introduction of Jesus's ministry, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the savior of the world is going to happen at a wedding that he's invited to with his disciples. So I want to pick up this story. This is in John chapter 2, and I want to read verses 1 through 11. John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. I'm reading out of the New King James Bible, and it says this. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Let me say that again. Let's read that again. Whatever... He says to you, do it. Now, there were set, there are six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and he said to them, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, you have kept the good wine until now. The beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. The beginning of signs. Now, I do want to mention this. It's important to know and. I believe that when I uh, had taught this one other time, I said this, with this miracle, Jesus is not advocating liquor trade. He's not advocating backyard moon uh, shine stills. In fact, wine in Bible times was safer to drink than unfiltered water. And many times, according to church history, uh, it was more like our grape juice, just a little bit more fermented. We do read in the Bible, in fact, it happened early on to Noah. Noah planted a vineyard, but Noah got drunk. It ended up causing an issue in his family. The Apostle Paul teaches about not being drunk with wine, but being filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, wine, we know the Apostle Paul told Timothy he must have had something wrong with his stomach. He told him to take a little wine for his stomach's sake. So 
again, Jesus is not validating any of that other than there was this miracle that took place that we need to remember, we need to believe in his gospel. And that's what we want to look at today in this first recorded miracle. Now, notice the interaction when there's a problem. Now, we don't know if Mary is just attending the wedding. We don't know if Mary's helping prepare something because the, the moment there's a problem, the problem is they ran out of wine. And so she knows how to solve the problem. She knows to talk to her son, Jesus, that he can solve the problem. Now, let me also mention this. Mary, the, the only thing that she has seen about Jesus was an angel came to her and let her know that she would become pregnant with child by the Lord. Uh, she knew that Joseph had a dream. The only other thing that would have been supernatural was the shepherds coming to Bethlehem when Jesus was born, not only telling of what they saw as far as angels singing, but them coming to see the child. And then probably two years after he was born, the wise men from the East came, they bowed down, they worshiped, they presented gifts. And then Joseph was mindful of a dream to get Mary and the child out to Egypt while Herod had all of the boys two years and under killed. The only other thing that Mary has probably seen at all about Jesus was at 12, he's missing. He's been missing three days as they were journeying around. In fact, they found him in the temple and he was both asking questions and answering questions to the religious leaders and that's why we, we read that, those words of Jesus at 12 years of age. Didn't you know that I would be about my father's business? But there's nothing else Jesus did. There was no other miracles. There was nothing. In fact, I always get that image of it's dinner time. And, and the kids, because we know Jesus had other brothers and sisters, and they probably, between Mary and Joseph, wondered, how will we know, what will he do that we know that he's the son of God? What will he do? Well, now he's 30 years of age. 30 years of age. He's not married. He's uh, obviously teaching. He obviously, as we read in Luke chapter, chapter 4, he's been in a synagogue before. He's gone up to do a reading as things were scheduled. He's not done a miracle. He's not uh, healed anybody. He's just begun, and he's been baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, sent out into the wilderness, tempted by the devil 40 days and 40 nights. He's come back as Luke 4 reads. He's gone in the temple. He's read that the spirit of the Lord is upon him. He says, today is, it has been fulfilled in your hearing. The people are so upset that they grab him. They want to throw him off a cliff and he goes right through him. Yet, now we find Jesus at a wedding and his mom knows there's a problem and my son, Jesus, can solve the problem. And so when Mary says what she says, Jesus says these words. In fact, I wanted to read it out of the New Living Translation, and I wanted to read it out of the Message Translation. And he says this out of the New Living. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. And then the message says it this way. Jesus said, is that any of your business, mother? Yours or mine? This isn't my time. 
don't push me. Now, as you read these uh, scriptures and the term woman, that would be probably offensive today had somebody said, woman, get out of the way, or woman, don't do that. Uh, it was more of an endearing comment, a respectful comment. But Mary knew that Jesus could solve the problem. Jesus identified something. His time had not yet come. Now, remember this. Jesus never acted independently. Though seeing a problem, he could have fixed the problem. He never acted independently of the Father. That's a verse I wanted to read today in John chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. It says, Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. He says, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. Now, that's what's important here. Because... Jesus is not going to independently do anything unless the Father says, now, the Father instructs him or leads him or the Holy Spirit leads him. We don't uh, read of Jesus hearing anything. We only read of Mary's faith. Now, here's what's important today. Mary is going to act on what she knows Jesus can do. And that's what's so important. When Jesus said, believe the gospel, it wasn't just believe what you read and then that's a great story and you really believe it. No, she's going to act on it. She's going to say something to the servants and it's going to be so simple, but she's going to say these words in John chapter two at the end of verse five, whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever he says, do it. So Mary has the faith to tell these servants, whatever he says, you do it. The servants are going to do what he says. They're going to fill up these heavy jars with water. They're going to follow what Jesus says, and Jesus is going to act on this. And I love what John 2.11 says. It lets us know that these were the beginning of signs. You know, we won't take time to look at it, but in chapter 3, you, I would have expected that in John chapter 3, we would have read that story first and then Jesus' first miracle because salvation, and you need to hear this, salvation is a miracle. John chapter 3, Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, he comes to Jesus by night. The reason uh, that he comes to Jesus by night. He doesn't want anybody else in the daytime seeing that he's coming to Jesus. He knows that Jesus is uh, not only a teacher, but he also knows there is something else about him. And he knows in his heart that God is with him. And Jesus answers something that becomes so powerful. Jesus says to him, he says, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. In fact, 
John 3 is where we get that term born again. He's been born again. Now, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we know something changes spiritually. Spiritually, your spirit becomes alive. In fact, the Bible mentions a few things that you've been translated from death to life. You become a new creature, a new creation in him. We know that uh, that change has taken place. We know in heaven, the Bible says a couple of things. One is your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Two, heaven gets announced somehow that you accepted Jesus as your savior and heaven all applauds. There's joy in heaven. It is a miracle that now at death, instead of being eternally separated from God, you are now eternally with God because of the decision, the prayer of confession that Jesus is Lord and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You are saved. You are changed. You are translated. You're a new creation. You're spiritually alive. Think about that. Jesus comes to live on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of you. And that happened by a prayer that you said. You know, 90 days later, you didn't receive a certificate from heaven in the mail uh, that you could put in a frame and put up that here's your, you know, here's your certificate that you are saved. You didn't have the next morning some angel come and, and congratulate you for the decision that you made. You believed it by faith. You know, Jesus use, uses this analogy. He says, you believe in the wind because you can, you, you can feel it, but you don't know where the wind comes from, but you, you believe in it. He said, believe in the gospel. If you today can believe that if you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that your name's written in the Lamb's book of life, and that you'll spend eternity with Jesus, and that you'll become his disciple here on earth for the time that you're on earth, that takes faith. That is believing in something that you can't see. Thomas said, if I can touch Jesus's wounds in his hand and stick my hand in his side, then I will believe. Jesus said after he saw him, you believe because you see. Blessed are those that do not see, but they believe. And if you believe in the wind, you can believe in me. Well, that took faith. Well, now a miracle comes on place that should have almost been like, why would I do a miracle water to wine? What significance would a water to wine miracle have? In fact, when, when we look at the wording uh, that takes place here or the instruction from Mary, Mary knows that Jesus can solve even this problem, though insignificant. Now, I was thinking back to this. We just this last March did celebrate our daughter's wedding. And there is something that you think about. You want to think about when the wedding ceremony gets turned around so that people can come and eat and they go and they have hors d'oeuvres and they're later going to eat a meal in celebration, you don't want to run out of food. That's the, that's the worst thing. In fact, I think all of us 
are probably pretty uh, pretty much in agreement that if you're having people over, if you're putting on some event or some party, the last thing you want to do is to run out of food. The best thing to do is to have more than enough so that you can send food with people on their way home. The last thing you want to do is pick up the phone and have to call pizza to have come. Or like what happened to us several years ago at our church, uh, we were running low on food for an event and a first time visitor went out to a local grocery store and bought $100 worth of fried chicken to be back. It was kind of a kind of embarrassing, but they wanted to make sure that we had enough food. That's that's relatively in agreement for everybody. Nobody wants to run out when you have guests coming. And at a wedding, that's embarrassing to run out. Somebody didn't estimate either the crowd size or maybe these guys just drank too much. Nevertheless, that's not Jesus's problem. It's not Mary's problem, but Mary, something in her knows that Jesus can fix this problem. Jesus on the inside of him says, it's not my time. I've not, I've not yet been released to do anything. And yet Mary has the faith to say, whatever he says to you, do it. Well, we go back and we know what happens is we know that this water is turned to wine. We know that it, that uh, Jesus tells the servants to draw some out and go take it to the master of the celebrations. He tastes this and he says, you know what? Everybody puts the good stuff out first. And when the good stuff is gone, they bring out the cheap stuff. You've done the exact opposite. You brought the best for the last. You know, it's interesting when we read about those that knew that there was a miracle, well, Mary knew what Jesus could do. The guests probably never knew. In fact, the bridegroom are celebrated by the master of, of the ceremonies because they brought out the best stuff. I mean, it was like an accolade to them. They didn't do it. They ran out. They miscalculated. They made a mistake. They didn't order enough for the people that came. The disciples after believed in him, but here's what's interesting. The servants, those that were used to go and fill up the pots, they knew. They knew because they filled it up with water. And when Jesus had to draw it out, it was no longer water. It was wine. And it wasn't just wine. It was the best stuff and it was saved for last. And yet the master of ceremonies only knew, hey, they brought out the best stuff. They made me look good. But here's what's so important when we read this. Here's what I think is so significant. And this is the beginning of signs. And I want you to hear this today. If the beginning of Jesus's signs was water to wine, then don't look at anything in your life as insignificant. Jesus is Lord over the smallest things that shouldn't really matter. It shouldn't have mattered. Let them drink water, right? Let them go get their own drink somewhere. He's Lord over the smallest things that are insignificant. He always does the best at last, and he always takes what is good and makes it great.
Nothing is too small. Nothing looks too big. In fact, if we if we went through and started looking at his miracles, there wasn't anything that came across his path that was impossible. You know what the only thing that was impossible was unbelief. Believe the gospel. The disciples said in a moment they wanted to be taught. Of all the things that Jesus did, what would you want him to teach you? And you know what they asked to be taught? Teach us how to increase our faith. You would have thought it was teach us how to do miracles. Teach us how to teach like you. Hey, teach us how to take a boy's lunch and multiply it to feed thousands. No, teach us how to increase our faith. Teach us how to increase our faith. Little girl dead, well, she comes to life. Lazarus has been dead four days. He comes to life. De demons cast out. But we go back to this first sign, an insignificant sign. Now, it had been something if it had been um, wine for the rest of the ministry of Jesus, but it was for this one event. Something of people that we don't know their names. We don't even know if they knew who Jesus was. But here's what it came back to. Mary knew what Jesus could do. Mary acted on her faith and told the servants to do what he said to do. And when Jesus began to respond, because evidently the Father, through the Holy Spirit, let him know, go ahead and do this, it became something that the best was saved for last. Here's what I want to leave us with today that we need to remember. Jesus said to believe the gospel. Will you believe the gospel today? Will you believe the good news? Will you believe the teachings? Will you believe in these stories? They're not just stories. It was life-changing events for people that believed. People that saw God do the miraculous in their time. Remember this too, is he is Lord over the small and the seemingly insignificant things. Jesus, send the crowds away. They're hungry. It's getting late. They're tired. Jesus says, no, you feed them. Well, they don't have the money to do it. They find a little boy's lunch, you know, loaves and fish. Oh, that's plenty. In the hands of Jesus, as he gives thanks and he blesses it, he can feed thousands of people with the small. Nothing is too small or insignificant for Jesus. And then lastly, whatever he tells you to do, you need to do it. Do what he tells you to do. Usually, I, I know it's one of those thoughts that I just can't get out of my mind or my heart. Do what he tells you to do. And it will always seem difficult, impossible. It'll always seem like a challenge. But do what he says to do. Got to get these heavy pots. We got to find water. You know, it wasn't just tap water. We got to go find a, a cistern or we got to go find a stream. Got to fill up these. Do what he says to do. Because what he says for you to do, he's going to perform the miracle because you believed and because you acted on what he said to do. Believe the gospel. 
Jesus is Lord over the small and insignificant things and do what he tells you to do. If you've been, if you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, whether you're watching, listening, uh, whether you just downloaded notes and you see this prayer, the most important prayer that you can ever pray first and foremost is asking Jesus to be Lord of your life. Would you pray this with me? Pray these words as Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, believe it in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead. Dear God, I believe that Jesus lived, died and rose again for me. I confess him and accept Jesus as the Lord of and the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for forgiving me of all of my sins. And today I begin my relationship with you in Jesus name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, I pray that one step that you would make, would you reach out to us? whether by social media, whether you're watching today, whether by through our website or through an email, or please connect with somebody. Tell somebody you made Jesus the Lord of your life, the most important decision that you will ever make. And now you are on a road of following Jesus. Repent and believe the gospel. Well, as we receive our tithes and offerings today, I want to read this one verse. And I, I, I love when I read this one verse. I feel like it always puts a smile on my face. The psalmist writes this, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those that seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. I encourage you today in your giving, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. In your giving today, in fact, I, I love that bit, the young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Part of our giving is worship. Our giving is not giving to a ministry it is giving to the kingdom of God. It is giving to God directly through the means that he set up his church. So would you pray this prayer along with me in your giving? And would you pray individually as if you are praying this to God on your own alone? Ready? As I give in today's offering, I believe that the Lord will not hold back any good thing from my life. He alone is my provider. And I put my faith and trust in him. In Jesus name. Amen. You know, if, as you're giving today, you can go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. On the top part of our top right hand side of our website is the give button. You can click that. It'll lead you through to give. It's fast, safe, and secure. If you want to give by mail, you can write to us the Hills Church, P.O. Box 661419, Arcadia, California, 91066. Hey, and we would love to join you. We're glad you're a part of either watching or listening to our podcast. We'd love for you to join us on a Sunday in Arcadia at the Hills Church, 10 o'clock. We have kids ministry. Uh, we have 
coffee fellowship before and you can go to our website for any activities or events that are upcoming and as we do each and every week i want to pray and say this word over you psalm 121 1 and 2 david said it david was looking for mount moriah where the ark of the covenant the presence of god was and he penned and probably sang these words i look up to the hills but where does my help come from? Your help this week, your help today, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Remember that today. Remember it this week. Your help. You need help? Your help comes from the Lord. He made heaven and earth. He can help you. Do what he says for you to do. Step out of faith and believe in the gospel. And we thank you for being a part of this today. We pray that you are encouraged and we pray you read these scriptures over and over in Jesus' name.